What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Oh, Mr. Ken Milam. Good morning, morning, sir. Morning, sir. How are you? I am absolutely fantabulous. I'm going to make up words because that's just that's all that fits the whole thing. Um, starting on Monday, like I let you know this and we yes. we put this out there on social media for everybody to go right. through and see as well. But we um, I got a notice from Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we're number 18. Well, then we were. Yeah, that was the very first notice. They were congratulations. You guys has broke into the top 20 on Apple Podcasts hobby podcast chart. And I was like, what? So I went through and, and got everything registered so that I could go in there and look at mm-hmm. it. And we were. We were in the number 18 position. Is that 18 of 19? No. It's 18 of every hobby podcast out there. And that's the big kicker. So that's this, thousands. That's, yes, thousands upon thousands. So the wow, really cool. Thank you, family. Right? Yeah, like you guys, it's literally, this is literally because of you listeners. Well, like yeah. that, that is all, this is where this comes from. But so anybody who's listening to the podcast on Apple Podcast. What is actually going on there mm-hmm. is, you know, they're tracking the metrics of every time that mm-hmm. is streamed or downloaded and, and they go through and they see how many people are paying attention to each different show. So where we talked about last year and we had a lot of fun with the the online survey mm-hmm. about like the top beekeeping podcast you should listen to. Mm-hmm. This one is literally anything that falls in the hobby category. It can be craft brewing. It can be knitting. It can be animal husbandry, like anything that's a hobby that you'd like. There's a podcast in that category. And out of all of those different categories, we were number 18. And then two days later, we were number nine. And then craft we were number brewing? eight. You can do craft brewing. Yeah. So what you're saying is we can do beekeeping and we can learn how to make if, ale. If you go and you find podcasts out there, you can pretty much listen to anything you want. I mean, there are so many different things and that's the cool part. And that's why this actually meant so much was because... It's not comparing us just to other beekeeping podcasts. This was comparing us to all the podcasts in Apple's directory under the hobby category. So it went 18, and then it jumped up to 9, and then it jumped up to 8, and then it was 6. And as of Friday, we were number 3. So if we get to making mead, we can get <laughs> drunk doing this. And we, talking. we can talk bees and drunk and mead. You have, already, um, <laughs> you have already set up the fact, between you and a couple of our listeners that chimed in on one of your comments, that we should totally do an episode on making mead, but the caveat oh, was... To. The caveat was that we had to be drinking mead while we made the episode, so the longer the episode this got... This damn stuff is good. <laughs> yeah. Y'all got to try this stuff. It's, yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's about how that's going to go. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I just uh, I just wanted to bring that up and, uh, and let everybody know how absolutely just phenomenal and awesome it is, and you guys all rock, and it is literally thanks to everybody out there oh, yeah. that, uh, that we've managed to get those rankings, and, and you can see it. Like, it jumps all over the place. It's a, it's a chart... That just has squiggly lines like a heartbeat all Mm -hmm. over. And at the beginning of the week, we spike and we go up in there. And then throughout the week, it kind of climbs a little bit higher. And then towards the end of the week, it'll fall down a little bit. And that's basically due to our...
our releases are on Monday. Yeah. If you do that in the right sequence, it sounds like Jaws. Um, so, but anyhow, thank you guys so much for that. That is awesome. And while we're giving thanks, we want to go out there as we have been doing and give thanks to our latest patrons on Patreon. And as of the last airing, we had a couple of these folks actually literally signed up like right after we did the last recording. So they wow. actually signed up on Saturday or Sunday and we had already recorded that episode. So you okay. didn't get mentioned last week, but we're going to say hi and thank you this week. So first and foremost, Daniel Blythe. Thank you so much, sir. Tim C, Rachel S and Stephen W, which I get a kick out of this one because Stephen's name is spelled with a PH. And uh, when I did his thank you video and sent it to him, I was giving him a hard time. I was like, hey, Stephen. And then I stopped and I said, wait, or is it Stefan? <laughs> <laughs> so now his actual thing, it, it he has in parentheses out beside it, Steve. <laughs> Steve. Call me Steve. <laughs> Call me Steve. Okay. So, now, uh, Blythe. Not no no relation whatsoever. This this one is from Australia. <laughs> okay, um, no he doesn't. Yeah, no okay. no relation whatsoever. I was so say Blathwood. No, yeah, no, no. And hey, look at you saying it right. You didn't say ply the wood. <laughs> That's right. You told me enough. Yep. Um, and by Finally the way, we did have a listener that was actually just on social media asking about those Cirrusel feeders that come from New Zealand they and uh, they use them a lot in Australia. But mm -hmm. where we got ours was from Blythewood Bee Company, mm -hmm. and uh, you can get online and you can find those there. I don't know if there's any other retailers currently in the U.S. that are selling it, but Blythewood, yeah, they they ordered a couple of giant cargo mm -hmm. containers full of them, so that's where you can get those from. And I love them. We we've used uh -huh. them now; they're yeah. great. So definitely check that out. But okay, guys, so we told you last week that we had a special guest coming and we do. We have a special guest in the studio with who, us today. Who, who? <laughs> this beautiful lady sitting across the desk from me, Ken. How do you not notice? Um, no, we have Miss Mary Reed. I was told not to. That's right. I told you not to That's jump right. the gun, man. <laughs> Stick to the script. Um, we have Miss Mary Reed, who is the chief apiary inspector for the state of Texas, and she is going to educate us on what it is to be an apiary inspector and kind of what all that entails. Good Good morning, Mary. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Mary. And you come look at my bees anytime, dear. Oh, well, <laughs> that'll be $75. Oh, damn. <laughs> no, that's the cool part, though, because it is like in the state of Texas, it is a flat $75 fee for requested inspections. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. you can you can have her come out and or or any of the other inspectors. Mm -hmm. So she's the chief apiary inspector. Okay. She has a whole team that works underneath her. Oh, okay. um, but now one of my favorite things, though, every time, because for years, you were the one that always inspected my hives. Uh -huh. It was oh, only gosh. this last year that it was the one of the newer ladies that came out to oh, do it. Yeah. But every time I see you out there, I get a kick out of your little holster belt oh, thing I that you've got. I love that thing. It almost looks like the Wild West, but instead of having the gun, <laughs> it's got like a thing for her hive tool. and like It's this coolest leather thing that she's oh. got. So you've got your bee suit on. Yeah. And then you got a, a And I've got like this. You got your gunslinger belt on. Well, Basically. My, my hive tool slinger. Okay. Yeah. It, it's awesome. It's got like a, a magnet that you just snap your, your hive really? tool. Really? It's tool. a it's magnet. So oh. nice. Yeah. yeah. It's the the first Where'd time I it? saw it, I was like, where is that is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I actually got it from a com beekeeping company in Canada. I think it's called Dancing Bee Equipment, is where I got it from. I'm but, go yeah. online now. Yeah. Yeah. It's really awesome. See, John, John, I tell you. I'm one of these guys that I buy all the gadgets. He's addicted yeah. to shopping. Well, that's the fun yeah. part of beekeeping. One yeah. of the fun parts. <laughs> yeah, he's he's addicted to shopping. Um, 
And he's he's also addicted to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Yeah. So he'll call me, ask my opinion on something. Like here recently, he was reading on like the all the natural oils that you can use and stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he calls and he's like, hey, what do you think about all of these things? And I was like, well, if you do it and you do it correctly and you follow the right guidelines and you emulsify it and blah, 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 blah. Yes, it could have some benefits to it. However, it is a ton of work and it's not really worth it if you've already got several gallons uh-huh. of some of the B additive things that you've got. And he's like, oh, OK, OK, well, good to know. Few days later, I get this text. Wish Man, I, 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 I could have saved $140. Yeah, I really wish I would have asked you that before I bought all this stuff. And I was like, Can you ask me that a week? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, but I'd already bought it. <laughs> well, that's like, he hadn't read all his emails or texts I sent him because I sent him a text the other day. I says, John, do I need to buy these 10 frame queen excluders for these nuke? Uh, nuke yeah. And my answer was no. And his response was, well, I have 10 of them. Yeah. Oh, well, no, you have them. them. You're ready to go. Yeah. He'd already ordered them. That was the kick. <laughs> Should I usually insinuates I already uh, did. Yeah, just yeah. FYI. <laughs> just um, double checking. <laughs> so, so Mary, tell us like, first off, what is an apiary inspector? Like, like what is that whole position? Cause a lot of, does every state have them or is it kind of select states? So, um, not every state has an apiary inspection program. Um, some states, in fact, just have one apiary inspector, and in a lot of those states, that person shares responsibilities in other agricultural industries, so their main focus is not <laughs> apiary, industri- or apiary inspections. But for Texas, we have you know, our specific service focused just for doing inspections for beekeepers, and our main role is doing health inspections. So um, our office was actually created uh, back in 1910. Um, out of legislature due to the problem of a, a disease called American foul brood just running rampant in the industry. And so um, they enacted this legislative rule, I guess, or law, yeah. and then to establish these APR inspection services. And um, we were created and, and now do inspections and here for you Here we are. <laughs> so that will probably go along with the varroa mites too. So on our inspections today, we'll look for varroa mites. It's not something that we can take any action on, you know, because every beekeeper has there, them. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. Except and, Australia. Lucky ducks. Yeah. <laughs> um, lucky down there. And your toilets go the wrong direction. <laughs> so so today on our inspections, we primarily, we still look for American fowl brood because it is, it can be a serious problem for beekeepers. Um but well, we in the end we just do a general overall health assessment of the hives we're looking at, and then you know the operation as a whole, um, and we can give that information back to the beekeepers. Um, we'll take samples to analyze for varroomites and a disease called nosema, um, and run those for free for beekeepers in our little lab that we have at our office, and it's just information to give back to the beekeepers. Hopefully help them out in some way. And then you guys also issue a health certificate once you get that back that kind of states they have been inspected, mm-hmm. you know, they've been found to not contain any of these certain things. Yeah. And we use that whenever we go through then and we're selling bees and selling nukes and stuff, you can actually have that certificate and then we provide it with all of the individuals that buy any of the packages or bees, the nukes. Um, and, you know, it shows like, look, we have been inspected. Somebody's been out here. We know that they have been disease free, you know, and it, it actually works out really well. The way, just so that all of you guys kind of understand, the way that the process really works is is 
for me is a little bit differently than for everybody else, and that's kind of its own little little fun story there. But um, for the general populace that has a Langstroth hive, mm-hmm. your inspector comes out, and they will actually go through, and they will do an inspection, just like you would with your bees. They're going to mm-hmm. go through, and they're going to pull out frames. They're going to take a look at it. If you're doing the mite check, then you're going to find that frame that's just perfect with mm-hmm. the open brood in it, um, uncapped open brood. And they'll go through, and they'll take that sample of bees. They put them into a container. They seal it with alcohol in it, and then that goes back to the lab. So no well, mites are going to be. You don't shake it then and take it there. No, they, for the most part, the samples we collect, we'll collect them in little little Nalgene bottles. But for <clears throat> for beekeepers that you know don't want us to do yeah. an alcohol don't wash, kill my bees. yeah, no, yeah. we understand. And so we'll carry stuff to do like a powdered sugar shake there yeah. in the field if that's the preference for the beekeeper. Yeah, but that that alcohol wash that's going to obviously be oh, yeah, the more definitive bees. because well, it kills the bees, but it also you you're guaranteed you those wash. mites are falling off. As opposed to the sugar shake, it's not as accurate. It'll give you a good idea. I mean, if you do a sugar shake and you're well beyond your threshold, you got a big problem. Um, But if you do an alcohol wash and there's only one mite in there, you're doing pretty good. So it's not uh, it's not as big of a deal. But so you guys go through, you go frame by frame. You're looking for diseases. You're looking for any oddities or strange things going on that might indicate something there. And then you you move on to the next hive. Um, For me... Most of my hives are top bar hives, mm-hmm. and Gosh. we had we had one experience. Are we going to tell this story? Yeah, yeah, no. we had we had one experience. I about <laughs> made probably, Mary cry. No, um. no, I was so. Listen, I'm just going to preface this. I was so embarrassed, and I learned my lesson. <laughs> it was it was not her fault. It was just as much my fault as it was her fault. But we were out checking some of the the top bars. And they were out on the removal property, and I had a couple of really big ones kind of, but they were down on ground level. And we opened one of them up, and it was just gorgeous. The most beautiful, brand new, drawn out combs. Solid cap. Amp it up. It was gorgeous. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, we've got to have a picture of that. And I asked her to hold the frame so I could take a picture. Oh, and you turned it. Well, it was was like, it was hot. It was the most. It was warm, and it was fresh wax. Yeah, it was brand new wax. Gorgeous. Heavy honey. Well, of course, it it ripped right off the bar, (laughs) fell down and splat. I thought she. She was so going to crawl underneath the pallet. Awful. She was so, she felt so bad. I feel and, so lucky that you were the beekeeper that happened with, because you were so nice about I was, it. Yeah, like it didn't, I was like, it's okay. I do it. It happens. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. And she was just like, nope. But from then on, we come out there. She will touch all the Langstroths, but we walk over to a top bar. She puts her arms behind <laughs> her like, back. You're holding that And frame. she just stands there and she's like, you take them out and hold them up and I'll look at them. <laughs> She won't touch them anymore. And I do that with other beekeepers that, you know, I'm just like, I'm going to tell you right now, if you've got, you know, if you want to go through your top bar hives, you're I'm going doing to have it. you hold the frame <laughs> because it takes so much time for mm-hmm. those bees to draw that wax. Yep. And I just feel so awful that to do that. Well, it, it was it was Ooh. it was great, though. It was <laughs> it was fun. Um, and then we had another inspection that we did with a, another beekeeper friend of ours where we kind of tied them oh, together yeah. because we were going to be in the area. Mm-hmm. And. There's a photo, and I don't know if you ever actually got to see it, but there's a photo of, I don't, I think it was you and her talking. Okay. But she's holding a PVC pipe. Oh, gosh. And you're standing there, and you've got that little holster on, oh, and your gosh. hand's right by your hive tool, almost like you're going to quick draw kind of thing. And I took that photo, <laughs> oh, and geez. I put it in one of the presentations for one of the local bee clubs. And I was like, hey, just in case you guys ever want to know what an inspection is like, this is how it goes. <laughs> I said, first, the apiary inspector shows up, and I said, you ready yourselves with your weapons, and you have a standoff. <laughs> and Because that's what it looks like. You're, it looks like you're ready to battle. Like, you're like, all right, you're just waiting on that. You've done we're, the paces, and you've turned. We're ready kind of to thing. talk bees. 
please. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really, it was just a conversation about, well, what do you think about this or what do you think about that? But without subtext, just the image, it was like Battle Royale was getting ready to take <laughs> that place. That could be turned into a meme of some it, it sort. Totally, <laughs> it totally could. But everybody, you know, because it was like I started off so serious and then we get uh, to that picture and I was like, and then you draw your weapons and you have this. And they were like, gosh. everybody just died laughing. They uh, thought okay, it was good. great. At least they weren't like completely terrified. No, no, no. No, it was, okay. you know, it was because I like to do that little throw the little curveball in there sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I start some of my presentations. This is completely off subject, but I start some of the presentations off. You're like the one the, doing it now. I huh? am. It's, it, it's contagious from you. <laughs> but I've started presentations off like at the fall convention that we did. Mm-hmm. I was doing one on the intelligence of bees and I had went through multiple different um, presentations that day and everybody was so serious. Oh. And so they came into that one and I was like, I started off, I went in and I literally changed the opening script on the beginning of it and I put it up there and that was like, um, this is a case study on how bees are far more intelligent than us and it's only a matter of time before they like, take <laughs> over the world and, and like That's dispose awesome. of us. And nobody cracked a smile. What? They were all staring at the <gasps> screen. They still all they had these blank faces on and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, and I, I tell them, I'm like, did you guys read that? Like, seriously, did you read that? It is okay to laugh. You do know, like, we're here to, like, you don't have to be just like, come on, guys, loosen up. (laughs) It took them a good five or ten minutes into the presentation before they finally got the gist, like, I'm not going to let it go. You guys need uh, to relax, you yeah, know, like yeah. I'm going to um, force this humor upon exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> it's like you are going to have a good I'm time. I'm always uptight in here. Oh, whatever. You're that's this is completely the opposite of the truth. Yeah. I'm usually the one sitting over here like going, no, don't tell you, don't say that. Um, but anyhow, yeah. So, OK, so the inspector comes out. You do the inspections. You give the results back. Yeah. Um, there are some other things that you guys are tasked with, such as like the permitting and stuff as well through the states. Yeah. So so our office primarily uh, interacts with our commercial beekeepers, um, most of them being migratory, whether that's they're moving their house around the state um, or, you know, for the most part in and out of the state. So there are movement permits that beekeepers are required to get from us if they're doing certain type types of movements. Um, And then we focus our inspections primarily on our migratory commercial beekeepers, just because we want to see, we want to make sure that all their bees are good and and healthy when they're here. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's the main part of our job is driving around Texas. And (laughs) one thing (laughs) I'm ready. Have you opened up a Langstroth, a big Langstroth hive, big hive of bees? And they were Africanized? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bet you have. Yeah, I've definitely um, encountered situations where... <clears throat> well, they all come out and say, we're going to kill your ass. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> essentially. Yes, <okay. laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, the, my first experience was uh, I just... It was two boxes. The hive was two boxes. And uh, I just had to crack the the boxes apart and they um. all came rushing out mm-hmm. and were stinging my legs. And all, all you got to do is you just have to stay calm and yeah. just close up that hive and just walk away. Um, and fortunately they weren't bad enough to where they like followed me a yeah. long ways, but definitely got my apotherapy for the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, on uh, uh, situations like that, that I've been in, the beekeeper has been like, I think this hive is, a little defensive, just yeah. FYI. Just a little, quote unquote, just a little. A little. Yeah. Well, so I was like, okay, well, now let's on do that, it. No, <laughs> I don't care. Well, this is something me and John have been talking about, mm-hmm. and my son. My son's getting in. He he enjoying bees. He's awesome, really. And uh, scrats versus corniolans versus Italians, Russians. 
you know, John, he said, yeah, I won't use John. We're still talking about bees. Yeah, we're we're getting off topic. No, we're talking bees. We're not talking topic, though. You know, let's talk about this on the bonus. We can do that. Yeah, let's talk Mm -hmm. about the different kinds of bees on the bonus episode. We can talk about some some experiences and stuff like that on the bonus episode. That'll work. We can do that. So y'all, y'all gonna have to get the bonus episode if you want to listen to the good stuff. <laughs> so, so as a shameless plug for that, um, the uh, the bonus episodes are on Patreon. So if you guys last year, you know, you were going through, you had your bonuses that came out, and this year you're like, man, there hasn't been any bonus episodes. There actually are. There is a guaranteed bonus episode every single week that comes out on Thursday. You've got the deeper dive episodes where we go really, really in depth on certain topics, and the ever forever in production education and training video. And those are all living on Patreon. And if you guys want to go check that out, it's Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Hive Jive. And you guys can go see what's out there. If you want to uh, subscribe and go through that, you can. And uh, then that's where you will find all the bonus episodes. And I'm really worried with what Ken's getting ready to do. Be sure to check out the deeper dive. <laughs> that's <Lord>. all. <laughs> so back to apiary inspectors. Um, and I don't know necessarily if you, if you have these numbers or not. So if not, okay. that that's completely fine. But Texas is, is huge, Enormous, right? It's yeah. massive. And you guys have to cover that whole state. Yeah. But and your, ju- your and to, team is like, yeah, tiny. microscopic. Yeah. yeah. So there's me. I call myself half an inspector because <laughs> I've got, you know, other responsibilities besides inspections. Um, but uh, I've got um, actually now three inspectors for me. I hired a new inspector, started this past Monday. Oh, very and cool. I'm so, so excited. In Austin, and you have to go to the Panhandle or to El Paso. Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So our office is located in College Station, you but drive? We, we cover the whole state. Yep. We drive. Um, Damn. Yeah. We yeah, have before. I'm putting some miles on. Yeah, oh, yeah. Before we before I moved Don't to Texas. Don't you lived in a town in a state like New Jersey? <laughs> well, it's kind of funny <laughs> that whenever I talk. So every year, um, a bunch of us inspectors get together at an annual meeting. Um, and it's we all give a state report. And. Talk, just listening to the smaller states, I mean, like, they do amazing stuff in their states, oh, but I just yeah. think, like, what a very different perspective, yes, right? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so so now we have three inspectors for our office. So, yeah, for, it's small for, for what we got to do in Texas, but um, I don't know. It's fun. I like driving. It's wow. good. good to driving don't universe. bother me either. I'm, you know. Yeah. Where used- else would you want to live? But Texas. I, I don't know. I, I really, mean, <laughs> I feel really lucky to have a job where I can drive around Texas because it's such a diverse state. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, and it's such a neat state to see. So I feel really lucky that I get. Do you go to East to Texas? Do that. Oh yeah, yep. East Texas Are is a big. Are there a lot baby. of bees in East mm-hmm. Texas? Yeah. They can't get nothing out of a pine tree. <laughs> there are things in the springtime. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. John says, can't shut up. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so roughly, if you if you know, do you know how many registered beekeepers there are? So um, <clears throat> anything, any numbers that you're going to ask me about, you're, I'm always going to preface it with, well, <laughs> you know. Roughly. Roughly just about. A, yeah, I, I, don't need, I don't need specifics, but just well, like just to give a general idea, because so for for those of you listening in the state of Texas, it is not required to register with the apiary inspection service. If you do register, though, and you register your apiary, the kind of the benefits of that are that if there is something going on in your general vicinity, they can then reach out to you and say, hey, FYI, we've noticed an outbreak of this. Or in some 
levels, you know, we're, we're trying to get the infrastructure in there so that if we know that they're going to be spraying for a specific thing like mosquitoes, mm-hmm. we can then identify, hey, there's X amount of beekeepers in that area. You guys need to be very careful. All those beekeepers need to be notified. So that's kind of the benefit of it. But it also gives you a very rough idea. Now, there's there's just as many out there that don't register, but at least it kind of it gives an idea for the size of the state. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um- yeah, it definitely helps us like bolster the apiary industry because if we can say this is how many beekeepers we have in this state, it's like hello, we're you know the beekeeping industry in Texas is big and it's awesome and diverse. Yeah. Um. So we can definitely use you know beekeepers that are registered with our office. Um. You know for that one. You know that's one of the many reasons. So so what is that hypothetical number? So in our system, we have right now um, about 2,500 beekeepers. I won't say that all of them are registered, but those are the number of beekeepers that have done some sort of paperwork with us in the past. Yeah. Yeah, and that can be or an inspection that can be somebody with a single hive all the way up to like two thousand hives. Like, it, it, there's no <laughs> specifics there on that. It's just, it's just you know, I have a hive. I want you to come inspect it, or I want yep. to register my apiary because of the benefits or whatever. So it can be any number of hives. Oh out there. yeah, yep. Um, so then, in contrast to that, and I, that actually that kind of makes sense. I don't know what that compares like to other states, but again, not you know, that's not everyone. There, there's plenty of people like you're not actually registered yet. You not know, yet. so there's plenty of people out there that actually have bees but may not be registered in the system right um but like just austin alone oh gosh is so super saturated with with beekeeping like beekeepers people interested in it and then the beekeeping companies themselves yeah you know you almost can't throw a stone without hitting something (laughs) beekeeping related here in town so i know that austin's also you know progressive in certain ways and also more laid back in other ways so Mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense but there's other parts of the state too that i'm sure are kind of similar and with it being so big there's just so much potential out there for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I'm asked this question, I usually estimate that we have probably around five to six thousand beekeepers in the state, and I would say that's a safe estimate. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, how many then on on those are the ones that live here and, and primarily stay here on the ones passing through, like the migratory? Yeah, are we a big destination because of our climate in the wintertime? Huge. Yeah. So Texas, <clears throat> Texas becomes really. A big beekeeping state in uh, in preparation for winter and overwintering. A lot of our commercial beekeepers will come down, down here. Yeah, in the southern region of Texas, mm-hmm. primarily that time of year. Um, they will want to come into the state just because we have a nice warmer winter here. Um, and before they may send their bees to California. But then the springtime, once co- almond pollination is over, a lot of our beekeepers will come to Texas Uh, in the spring to raise queens, uh, make splits, you know, prep their bees before they start sending them elsewhere. Yeah, well, because there's a there's a little bit of a gap. The almonds start super early. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of a gap where the rest of the country is not even out of winter yet. They're still having yes. snow all the way up and through April and sometimes May in certain parts. So yeah. they kind of use that as a little safe harbor. It's yeah. uh, like Texas and Florida, right? Florida, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they kind of kind of accumulate and then do those things. Um, they can let their bees heal up. Yeah, rest up, heal up. Do your splits, do your yeah. your divides, raise your queens. Um, that that last part sounds a tiny bit risky. Bringing, Rich. bringing queens down here to raise queens because oh. you know if they're open mated. <laughs> well, no. So we have a, quite a few, a good couple handfuls of um, queen breeders, commercial queen breeders here in in Texas, and um, you know they do their best, a really good job of ensuring that the queens that 
are getting mated. They, you know, they basically flood the area. Yeah, they do their best with to flood their, the drone with their drones. Area. And, um, you know, I think they have pretty good success with it. So. So if we get somebody who's raising queens, we can let our queens go, and then they can go up and get bred by a drone that's cornea, full-blood corneolin, and, <laughs> and see that this is how I think. Yeah, just situate yourself close to a commercial <laughs> queen breeder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll shut up now. <laughs> um, okay, so... So you got, you know, you, you started off when I first met you, you were just one of the individual inspectors and now you've Mm -hmm. moved up and you're the chief inspector. Mm -hmm. Um, what actually like got you into beekeeping? What got you started in all this? Yeah. So, um, in college I studied entomology, um, and with, you know, going through entomology, I, one of the classes that I took was about social insects in general. So not just honeybees, ants, termites, um, bugs. Bugs, yeah. yeah, but the social kind. Just the social ones. The ones that, you know, <laughs> gather around the nectar cooler and gossip. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and so it was through that class that I just got, you know, as with I'm sure many of your listeners can um, can agree with, you just get blown away by the awesomeness of honeybees and what their colony structure and their behavior and, you know, every all these complicated things that are going on, and yet they make it work. Yeah. Um, and I was really interested in honeybees, again, specifically because of their tie with agriculture, um, you know, how important they are for a lot of different crops um, that we grow here. Um, actually, before I, I came over here, I did research with the citrus industry in Florida for a few years. Um, but while I was there, um, I went to an event that the University of Florida puts on called Bee College. Um, okay. If you ever want a nice trip to Florida and want to do you some bee go stuff, to bee college, go to Bee College. college. <laughs> um, and it was there where I ended up meeting my future boss. <laughs> <laughs> the former chief the apiary former inspector. The former chief apiary inspector. Yeah, it was so random because it was the first time I ever went to that event. And it was his last time of, going, of being at that event. And so... I just happened to go to one of his classes and I introduced myself afterwards and, um, you know, we chatted a lot about bees and I specifically remember asking him, you know, how often does an apiary inspector position come along? Because I was really, I really wanted to work with beekeepers. Yeah. You know, it was nice seeing the lab side of things, but I felt very disconnected from the people that I was, yeah. you know, in the long run affecting. Um, and so I wanted to work with bees. I wanted to work with beekeepers. And I remember him saying, uh, not very often. And so when <laughs> I found out that they were hiring for an apiary inspector out here, I was like, I have to apply. And now, did did he reach out to you and say, hey, there's an open position? Or were you just looking across like the, the, the country and you just happened to see one but didn't realize it was tied to him? Yeah, no, he didn't send it to me. I came across it and uh, I was like, well, this this kind of works out. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'll I give have, it a shot. I have a foot in the door yeah, here. Maybe, yeah. maybe. But yeah, I just... I just think that's such a serendipitous. That is. That's very cool. So his his last B school in Florida was your very first yes. one. You guys make that introduction. He then becomes the chief apiary yeah. inspector for Texas. Later on, a position comes open. You become an apiary inspector for yeah. Texas. And now you are the chief apiary now inspector for Texas. Yeah. Gosh, whirlwind trip. That is, is <laughs> that is very cool. And that's yeah. how a lot of that stuff is, uh, is complete happenstance or kismet in certain ways. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I never 
ever did anything re- like actually what we're doing right now on the radio is closer to what I went to school for and what my education is in. It had nothing to do oh. with bugs, no entomology, no yeah. nothing. And then it just like snowballed and took over my life, you know? Yeah. And, and so <laughs> it happens. people are like, wow, like, <laughs> like, so have you always wanted to do that? Or did you go to school for that? And I'm like, nope. Like if you yeah. would have asked me at 25 or even 30, wasn't even a blip on the radar, you know, yeah. like it, I wanted a hive back then. But it was, I just wanted one, but I lived in an apartment. It wasn't going to work, right, you know? Right, and so right. it was never a, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be my life. I'm going to have this be empire. No, yeah. none of that yeah. ever was ever a thing. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, got people like Ken over here. Um, our original <laughs> concept and format for the show for last year, for the first season was he was super interested in bees. He wanted to get started in beekeeping. And we devised this plan where we were like, okay, well let's do it where we can walk everybody through the same things you're going through. Mm-hmm. But we were going to start off with one Langstroth hive, one top bar hive Ooh. and a flow hive. Because when I Ooh. first met him, that was all he could talk about was a flow hive. Oh yeah. Um, up until today, the flow hive has still not been assembled because there's put it together too yet? many pieces and he didn't want to touch it. Hell no. So, and he started learning about top bars and then he was like, oh, this is going to be the thing. We're going to do this. Yeah. Well, then he got hooked into the honey thing. So now oh, he's okay. like, I like the, the natural aspect of the top bar, but I really want a lot of honey. Yeah. The three colonies ended up being like 12. At the end of your first year, eleven something like that, right? So I got I got nine now. Nine, yeah. So oh, he was awesome. only supposed to have three, but I got eleven packages oh. coming. Well, that's a whole other. See, that that's just it. So no well. <laughs> he started, yeah, he started getting on Facebook, and he was like, "Hey, if you guys have hives you want to get rid of," and people were like, "Oh, we've got this mean hive," and so he'd be like, "Oh, I got somebody that can take care of that. I'll take it." And then he calls <laughs> I got me. Got clean them. I know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> then he calls me, and he's like, "John, uh, I, I need to. We need to requeen this one colony. She's really mean." And I'm like, "Where did that come from? Oh, so and so down the road, their husband." used to do it or their dad did it and passed away and I, I went and got their hives and I'm like oh my god and so we just we he just kept like growing out of control so he actually for different reasons but he ended up like me the first year I wanted one mm-hmm. the club convinced me I needed two and I wound mm-hmm. up with 13 yeah that's you know. the perfect number to start with yeah right yeah. right you know just why not yeah why not um, dive in yeah so it, it, it happens the, the things just kind of yeah they happen and take off and yeah. and it's cool where they land, but sometimes you're like just holding on for dear life and along yeah. for the ride. So <laughs> that's fun. It is. It's yeah. fun. It's very it fun. It's fun. So okay, I want to watch you do it. <laughs> Ken actually just re- recovered from a, a small surgical procedure, yeah. and his son and I were giving him crap because uh-huh. it was okay for him to sit in the truck while uh-huh. we did the last inspection, but he was in the truck with the windows up. Oh, and I was like, like me. I was like, Ken, Ken, roll, why are you? Why do you keep rolling the window up? I was like, roll your window down. And he'd roll it down. He'd be like, yep, sounds good. Roll it right back up. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you're like 20 foot away. Roll your window down. He's like, well, they keep coming over here after the fact. He had swarm he has commander, swarm commander in, the in the truck. Oh, and so he couldn't figure out why the goodness. bees kept coming to the truck. And I was like, good Lord. You were just asking for yes. it. Yes. <laughs> um, so, okay, so uh, so segue back over here. Um, from uh, from a, an apiary inspector standpoint, mm-hmm. has there been any uptick in things like European foul brood or like I know I don't I haven't really heard of mm-hmm. the American foul brood as a big issue for yeah. a while. Like it's yeah. there, it could come up, it gets taken care of, but yeah. the European seems to kind of sneak its way in there because yeah. it's a, it, it has a lot of bad af- uh, effects to it, but it's not mm-hmm. as bad as the American mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So is that still something that's kind of a big concern out there? Yeah. In the past couple of years, um, we've seen, been seeing a little bit more of an issue with European foul brood, um, just more of a presence of it. And then it, 
not going away like it used to, like beekeepers having a harder time to clear it out of their hive. So, I mean, with American foul brood, you're done. Once it's symptomatic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a a bad. It's it's a bad situation. Um, There's not really any coming back from that. So just so you understand, Cannon, so our listeners understand, um, the the really the only solution to American foul brood is you burn burn everything. That's right. It's that's it. It's done. There is no saving it. You don't take the bees. You don't take the comb. You get rid of it as fast as possible because it can spread quickly to other colonies. And then it just everything starts a cascade effect. But the European foul brood, as you were saying, back in the day, you used to be able to go through. And if you you requeen it or Mm -hmm. you have a strong, healthy colony, they could overcome it. And it would be like Nosema. It would it would eventually kind of work itself out of there if the colony was strong enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Beekeepers could requeen it or if they the bees weren't on a good nectar flow, just feed excessively to try and clear that bacteria out of its gut or their gut. Um, but um, and if worse comes to worse, if you need to, you can apply an antibiotic treatment. But talk to your veterinarian for. Yeah, that switched here recently. Yes. That is now under the veterinarian control. Yes. Um, Make friends with your veterinarian. Yeah. Is that a side effect of like in Texas, honeybees now being considered an agricultural animal and commodity? Like is that where that switch to, to veterinary kind of came into play? So um, it all stems from a change in the federal law pertaining to antibiotic use in livestock. Yeah. And so it was primarily focused on the hog industry, chicken industry, goats, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But the antibiotics that beekeepers use in honeybee hives are used in those other industries. And so yeah, it was kind of just a that, side then. effect, an unexpected side effect of yeah. this that beekeepers beeke- or honeybees were included under this um, law change. And um, so now <laughs> beekeepers, if they want to apply an antibiotic to their hives, they have to get a prescription or um, what we call veterinary feed directive from a veterinarian. So yeah. you have to build a relationship with your veterinarian. The veterinarian actually has to diagnose it. Which can be which tricky. Is interesting because veterinarians aren't traditionally trained, at least in the U.S., are not traditionally changed, right. <laughs> trained on working with bees and identifying diseases. Yeah. So my office actually is working with a vet school at Texas A&M to incorporate some level of training for the students at the vet school um, so that they, if they're interested, they can get some experience working with bees yeah. Um, learning to diagnose these diseases if in the future they want to work with beekeepers. I think that would be so extremely cool. beneficial because otherwise, I mean, think of the terror that most people have when you even think about a bunch of bees, let alone yeah. opening a box and you have no concept what you're looking for or doing yeah. and they're just like everywhere. Yes. <laughs> but I'm a large animal veterinarian. Yeah. What the hell am I going to? Oh, don't worry. Just open the box up. Yeah, they, they just keep getting smaller. You went from horses to cows to pigs to dogs and cats, then chickens, <laughs> now bees. I don't know. Some, some hives can be pretty then, large. <laughs> <laughs> then the bee, guy, bee vet, he says, I only work on horses, but you're a veterinarian. Just get, get out there and work on my bees. Just go take a look. It'll be okay. They don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, there are a lot of veterinarians in the state of Texas that are um, very willing to work with beekeepers. Um, so they're they out like there. honey. Well, yes. That may, do you that like may, honey? Of course I do. Oh. Love do honey. you get to taste everybody's honey? No, oh, but damn. I try to taste Have as much as I can. Have you ever tasted honey that uh, I can't ask that question yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway. You ever tasted honey that tastes like Werther's? <laughs> we will tell you more about it in the okay, next episode. Okay. Uh, y'all ain't going to find out until you... <laughs> yeah. 
You're such a turd. <laughs> uh, he's he is obsessed with. He got a gift from one of our listeners from Australia that came into the show and was actually here in the studio with us. And oh, wow. uh, she brought us a couple of jars of honey from Australia. Uh-huh. Um, and um, neither of us can properly pronounce the have name the, of the district where it have came from. Seeds. But it's uh, basically it's not. It, and see, he's he's got it convinced that the name of the jar is the name of a plant, but it's not. It's the name of a district, uh, and it's not a single plant. It's like a lot of uh, tree and uh-huh. eucalyptus but then it's got wildflowers from out there and what people are growing and, and yeah. like it tastes like Werther's butter, it, it's very it's very amazing oh, creamy candy like yeah wow. we need gallons of it yeah he's he was yeah. he's trying to will and deal figuring out how he can ship like Brett, make find out what it Australia is from over here. <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah we have another listener Brett who's who's down there he works with a gentleman that has yeah. an avocado orchard and he maintains the bees there for him oh, cool. to go through for the for the avocados so Ken's Ken's been on this kick about can we make guacamole honey you know um, I keep telling him bees don't have anything to do with tomato plants so you're already shy one ingredient on your guacamole but he uh, he loves he loves to pick on all the Australian listeners like just absolutely loves to go through and um and give them a hard time for sure the commodes go the wrong direction <laughs> do they go in the wrong direction or do ours go in the wrong direction see, that's, see there you you already you, you're, you're already yeah. sucking up to them <laughs> i do the same thing he, every time he throws something out there like that i'm like but are they, they send us videos of their commodes going opposite direction of ours and i'm yeah, sitting there wow. but who's who's really right side up and who's upside down we don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're just in a void of space. You know that if, if Australia ever got a NASA, it would be so easy <laughs> for them because all they have to do is untie the rockets and they fall and off. And it just falls off. Yeah. I don't think that's how gravity works. But. <laughs> no, but trying to explain these concepts of physics to Ken is just not, it's a losing battle. Um, I like the way you think about yeah. it. sounds a lot more efficient, you know, just let well, yeah. physics do it for you yeah, rather than. Let them fall off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why not, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for tuning in. And Mary, thank you so much for being in the studio with us today. Oh, my gosh. I was so short. Greatly, uh, greatly appreciated. And uh, for those of you who are on Patreon, we are going to transition over. And you can hear more from Mary on the bonus episode that will be coming out on Thursday. So if you're interested and you want to do so, that's where you will find that. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash hive jive, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash hive jive and everybody else out there y'all have a great week be good be safe be awesome yeah there we go be awesome (laughs) all right guys we'll talk with you later be good family we'll see y'all on the other side bye the show might be over for now but the steam won't last long and if you haven't already be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes mondays of each month Until then, behave yourselves.